Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm gonna pee, I meant. Oh my god. Oh Jesus. What's the matter? Ramona, go to the bathroom. What I do? Go the other. I poop all over my. Did I walk in it? I don't know. Ramona, I really needs to put a cork in it and know your limitations. I do. That's why I wear a diaper when needed. Give me the coffee. I need the coffee. No, that's I spilled makeup. Let's put silly. This, let's put go, you go there. I'll Give me a that. plague mask. No, just oh. don't. I spilled. I spilled my makeup, silly. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Real Housewives of New York and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills Edition. Wow, there have been some news items coming down the pike with respect to Real Housewives of New York, specifically when it comes to Ramona. Do we believe it? Do we not? Hard to say, but let's talk about it. Um, so the rumor, there are two rumors that came like one after the other. The first one being that Ramona will officially be fired from Roni. And then the second one that came very quickly was that uh, there have been delays in terms of the reunion filming. So, you know, as Bravo, you know, as a Bravo um intellectual, what would the word be? It would be nice if I could find... Um, 
the word for me trying to call myself smart right now, it's really getting kind of embarrassing um, as a, uh, you know, a Bravo aficionado, if you will. We'll, we'll, we'll put that in there. As a Bravo aficionado, um, we know several things when it comes to the hiring and the firing of the housewives and the timing of it all. We know and we've been told that the decisions as who stays and who goes are basically never made prior to the reunion. Not just the reunion filming, but prior to the reunion actually being aired on the network. So the idea that Ramona would be fired now when they haven't even filmed the reunion seems highly unlikely. Um, But there have been um, other rumors that the reunion was supposed to be filming and that it has either been delayed or canceled as of now because Ramona found out about this alleged firing of hers. And apparently she is um, making things a little bit difficult for the network at this time. So I don't know. I heard that they were not even planning on filming until filming the reunion until Labor Day or around Labor Day weekend. So it's really hard to say. I would have to imagine My guess is that, like, most things, it's somewhere in between where I would imagine... Because along with the Ramona firing news was the comparisons, or were the comparisons to Kelly Dodd, that Ramona might just be a little bit too conservative for the audience and just just rubbing people wrong. Um, I don't know that that's really happening. Because what I'm seeing is a lot of Ebony is the sole person responsible for how bad the season is I don't really even for liberal people I haven't seen people saying that Ramona's ruining this season with her conservative uh leanings I don't I haven't seen that I haven't personally seen that I've seen all the blame being placed on Ebony I I'm so weary and um, tired of these conversations about Roni this season and who may be responsible for what and why the season's bad and who it is. I think it's everybody. I think it is a group effort as much as because really Roni is a group show, a group franchise where we are reliant on the entire ensemble cast to carry the show. Whereas I don't know if we really rely on that so much with other people. Like with Atlanta, we love, I love seeing the women all together, but I also love seeing them individually. I don't know. It seems like Roni's more of a, we don't really rely on their individual stories as much as we do the other franchises. So to say that this responsibility for the season being bad is like laying solely on Ebony's shoulders. I just think that's really unfair. Um, so here's what I think needs to happen. And I think the answer is very obvious. Tinsley. We need Tinsley back. We need somebody who's bridging the gap between the younger ladies of Ebony and Leah and the older women. There's just too much of a disconnect. And I don't even really think that it is like a social thing so much like it is and it isn't because we know that Ramona is desperate to be uh 35 at all times at this point and it's not like these women are older women you know 
like I don't look at Luann and think of her as an older woman. I don't look at Sonia and think of her as an older woman. But they are. They are. And there are these like very subtle differences that I think we can't really put our finger on. But there are differences. And there does need to be a gap. And there's also like the sobriety of it all. And of course, I'm not saying that it's boring because Leah and Luann are sober. What I'm saying is that it creates a different dynamic. And it... I, I think it... I'm happy that they're sober, but it just creates a different dynamic. Does it create a worse dynamic? No, I just think it's like there were a lot of very different things happening and it's just not gelling. With that being said, y'all know that I've been asking a few times over the course of the season, what exactly happened with Bershon? Because from my recollection, Bershawn was noted first in uh, media that she was going to be the first black New York housewife. And then things, it was like there was a fever pitch and then nothing. And then we heard about Ebony. And then Ebony was named as like the official first black New York housewife. Um, So I've been wondering, as you guys have heard, like what exactly happened with Bershawn? And this episode was the answer. Now, again, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I feel like I am in the minority because I have seen a few people say like, oh, Bershawn knew exactly what she's doing. She, you know, understood the assignment, as people say. She, uh, I, I loved her and what she was doing on this episode personally. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. I, I had been as nice to Bershawn as I could be and I said like "Mm, I don't really I'm kind of with Ebony like I'm not really understanding the appeal here I don't know what's going on but like I will exercise some level of patience this episode no ma'am this is exactly this is why Bershawn didn't end up with an apple is because she went for the three big dogs and they weren't having it clear as day Clear as day, she fucked up in this episode. So to begin the episode, we are still waiting for dinner. And Ebony is saying that this is a disaster. Um, Ramona has just told Ebony to lighten up. And Ebony is like, this is one of the biggest microaggressions out there. Like, do not tell me to lighten up. Ramona's in a corner talking to Sonia about like, you know, I know that there are issues out there in the world, but if I talk about them too much, like, I have a breakdown. Can you imagine? <laughs> this is, this is, let's maybe go back to Google or Ask Jeeves or, or whatever uh, tool of research that you looked at, Ramona. Go back and, and re-look up the definition of white fragility, because you talking about how, like, you can't talk too much about racial equality because you get overwhelmed. Baby. You don't ever talk about racial equality. Like, I would put all of my money down that Ramona, in her life, has had more conversations about racial equality. These are the only conversations that she's had about racial equality have been the ones that we've seen on on this show, on this season. For her to see, like, I have a limit before I, you know, before I freak out, before I talk about these subjects, like, girl, give it up. Give it up, delicious. So, Bershawn 
Ebony and Brashawn have had this sort of undercurrent of, and I'm not sure that Brashawn knows it, but Ebony certainly has clued us into this, like, I'm not really fucking with Brashawn, but I'm not gonna also go there. It's this weird thing of, like, I, and by I mean Ebony, Ebony feels clearly that she and Brashawn are not cut from the same cloth. But she also feels like Bershawn is a little bit of a an all lives matter kind of chick. But what she's not going to do is go back and forth with Bershawn, even though they are patently very different people. And I don't think Ebony fucks with her at all. Ebony also doesn't really want to go there because they're in, you know, mixed company, basically. So when Bershawn tries to come over to Ebony and tell her, you know, like, let's cool it on the race talk. You should consider your knowing who your audience is. Ebony rolls her eyes very rightfully. And is like, girl, I understand towing the line. I understand code switching. I worked at Fox News for five years. I've dealt with Ramona's for a significant part of my career. Like, I know what I'm getting myself into. This is not anything new to me. But then Ebony yells, I'm not Tony, Tony Morrison, bitch. I can't be teaching y'all everything. And then, so we're having like two separate conversations. We're having the Ebony and Bershawn conversation. And then we're having Sonia and Ramona, where Sonia is trying to get Ramona to not be such a dumb bitch. And be like, it's worthwhile to hear what Ebony's trying to say. She has a passion for equal rights. It resonates with me personally. And I just wish you would hear it. But Ramona, all she wants to hear is what happened on the trip to Philly? Did you find somebody? What happened? What happened when you talked to that relationship expert? And Sony gets frustrated because she's like, I'm... I think in this moment she feels like, okay, Ramona, if you can't handle talking to Ebony, like, okay... But you should be able to at least handle me having a conversation with you about race and equality. But you can't even do that. And you, uh, she's feeling disrespect on multiple levels, both for the fact that, like, this is her decades-long friend. And her friend won't even have this, like, heart-to-heart conversation with her. And just, like, the same old, same old of Luann and, and Ramona treating Sonia like she's silly and, like, what she's saying is not worthwhile. So even though Sonia's trying to tell Ramona, hey, we had such a fun time. Ebony contains multitudes. We were able to get to that point where you want to be. Just, she's trying to give her the advice of like, just the only way out is through it. So just have these tough conversations. I was able to do it. It's, I'm trying to tell you, I'm advocating for Ebony. It's not like she wants to have these tough conversations every single time. She's capable of being fun and talking about fun things but you need to respect her and make her feel like she trusts you in a confessional sonia says that luann and ramona need to learn to listen and when they talk over people like they want to do they end up just staying in their own bubble and they don't listen to other people's opinions so ebony tells leah trump has made white supremacy the hallmark of his presidency so I just want to have that conversation. And the only reason why Ramona thinks I'm too preachy is because she shuts me down in every conversation. So like I have to start over and it sounds like I'm talking a lot about the same thing when it's really just that like, we're not ever having closure. And I can feel that. I definitely 
feel that. Like, we've all been in relationships where it's just, like, you feel like you're having, you're going around in a carousel over and over and over. It's because you're never getting closure. There's never any resolution. And it's very frustrating. Ooh. My um, past relationship triggers are coming back to haunt me. At this point, Luann says that she's hungry. And I realize we haven't even sat down for dinner yet at this point. This is just them waiting for their table. Even though we're only on episodes two of Salem, it just feels like we've been in that room for weeks now. So everybody sits down for dinner and Ebony says, I told Leah something earlier today and I want to share it with the rest of you. And before she can even finish or even start what she's about to say, Leah starts crying. And I'm thinking at first that I think a lot of people were like, is she, is this a joke? Is she serious? Because something about when Leah cries, it looks fake. (laughs) And I'm not saying it is fake. It just looks, she just looks like she's not quite being honest. So I'm thinking maybe she's crying because they have like come up with a prank with each other. But no, unfortunately not. It was like the worst possible situation. That, unfortunately, Ebony's mother, excuse me, grandmother, passed away that morning. So, all the women are naturally shocked. Ramona gets out of her chair. She hugs Ebony immediately and is, like, being very soothing and nice to her. And they have a nice little moment with each other. And the girls had been planning on getting tattoos. So, at this point, Ebony says, I think that Lee and I are going to get matching tattoos of putting our grandmother's names on our wrists. Um, but Ramona's like, you know, I really think that like, you know, emotions are high right now. This is your first tattoo. I really think that you should wait like seven to 10 days before you think, like really think about getting a tattoo before you like really think about it. (laughs) Now I'm going in the carousel of my mind. (laughs) Really think about things before you get the tattoo. Ebony, you got it. I don't have to say it over and over because she ended up getting the tattoo anyway. So moot point. So while Ebony and Leah are waiting to figure out how to get their tattoos. Sonia and Ramona are talking about how they would never do it. And Bershawn says to Sonia, are you being judgmental right now? And Sonia's like, yeah, yeah, I am. But then she takes it back. She's like, well, it's not like the I'm better than you kind of judgment. It's just some old school. We just don't do that. I couldn't see my daughter doing that. Ramona, you couldn't see Avery getting a tattoo. Like it's just not part of our thing. Um, then Ramona starts to get, excuse me, Sonia starts to get a little bit mad at Barshan for saying that she was judgmental because she had just taken it back. Um, so this begins the drama between Barshan and Sonia. I feel like it's been a while before we, since we've seen Sonia really go toe-to-toe with somebody, like, on occasion, every season or so, like, maybe it'll, there was a little bit with Tinsley, and there's an eventual inevitable blow-up with her and Ramona, but they always come back together. I don't think we've really seen Sonia go head-to-head against somebody like she did with Brashawn, and personally, loved it. I did think it was nice for Ramona to... Even though she basically is very aggressively (laughs) trying to deny Ebony's experience as a black woman, she also, like, counters that with these very maternal moments. And 
even though she says she's not down for tattoos, for her, it was nice of her at least to sit with uh, Ebony as she got the tattoo gun, tattoo done, and she just in total mom mode, being like, "Why don't you guys give numbing? Like women love to numb. Women love numbing cream. Why can't you just give her some numbing cream?" Um, so the next day, the ladies are getting ready, and <laughs> Ramona calls Leah. While Leah's getting her makeup done and they're talking about the day. But Ramona's not really listening to Leah. She's just talking like, I'm so glad we don't start till 12. We can wake up slowly. Maybe I'll go work out. I'll do this. I'll do that. We're doing this. Blah, blah, blah. And Leah's like, why did you call me (laughs) to ask me what was going on and then go into this diatribe? So they end up hanging up. And Leah's like, oh my God, she just gave me like a splitting headache. So Sonia calls right after (laughs) I don't know why Leah didn't think, like, of course they're attached to the hip. Of course Sonia and Ramona are together. So Sonia's on speakerphone, like, hey, just calling. And Leah's like, oh, my God, I just got off the phone with Ramona. Like, she's so fucking annoying. She just gave me a headache. And you can hear Ramona in the room being like, um, I'm right here, bitch. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> um, so then we see Ebony go into Bershawn's room. And... This, I just really appreciate how Ebony went about this and how Ebony is navigating her relationship with Bershawn. It's just very black girl navigating their way through white spaces. And I just find that very fascinating to watch on television. So Ebony goes into Bershawn's room and she says, Hey, things have been a little bit much, like the whole situation, the temperature of the group has been a little bit much. And Bershawn's like, Ebony, you don't have to do a Malcolm X speech every time we all get together. In a confessional, Bershawn says, they don't want a pastor and a preacher. They want a friend. And Ebony says, look, we're dealing with people in an elite bubble and it's probably tiring for them to hear me say the things that I say. And I get that. I don't agree, but I get that. And now that it's been said, now that I've said what I felt like I have to say, we can have a kiki. And Brashad says, well, can we really do that? And Ebony says, well, we can do that today. But every day we're going to do a reset. If I feel like I'm not being heard and I'm not being honored, then no, we're not going to be able to have a kiki. But for today, we can. So in Ramona and Sonia's room, Sonia's trying to explain to Ramona that she's trying to learn and listen from Ebony and Ramona raises her hands and says, you know what? I'm raising my hands. You know, I don't want to interrupt you because you said that I interrupt you. And then Sonia tries to change the subject. Or rather, she tries to get the subject subject back on the tracks. And Ramona immediately changes the subject. And it's like, wait, who did your eyebrows? Did somebody do your eyebrows today? Why does this one look different from the other one? And Sonia, she gets it. She gets it every time. It Hello, that scene from uh, Broad City where they talk about how your eyebrows should be, I think, cousins, not sisters. Like, they don't have to match. They don't have to be exactly right. Sonia was right to tell Ramona that she looked like a doll and that only drag queens are so, um, you know, efficient or, um, you know, adamant about matching their eyebrows. And then Ramona says, why are you not calling me a drag queen? <laughs> Don't call me a drag queen. And Sonia says, well, you look a bit like Luann. Is that what you want to say? <laughs> this like running gag of Luann being a drag queen 
feels problematic now that I'm thinking about it. It, feel, it feels problematic. It feels problematic. But there, I will have to give, we have to give Carol something. When they were at, where were they? St. Bart's? <laughs> where Luann hooked up with the, the pirate. And Carol's like describing how Luann had brought the pirate back to the house that they were vacationing in late at night. And Carol says, it was late and I hear two men's voices, one of which is Luann's. <laughs> That will always be iconic to me, but I think maybe we should stop calling her a drag queen because I just don't know where maybe that lands in the spectrum of problematic behavior. Lady Later, the ladies go to Pioneer Village and Luann decides to wear a turquoise statement necklace, which I imagine is probably from her um, QVC line in order to honor the moment of being on sacred native territory. So that was nice of her. Um, They're introduced to these like historical reenactment actors. And when the actors tell them, Hey, we have some costumes for you guys to put out, you know, some like historically accurate costumes to put on. Everybody's like, no, 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 no. Luann and Ramona immediately find a way to get out of it. Um, And a confessional Luann says, she didn't come all this way to dress like that. And Ramona says she doesn't want to wear clothes that other people have worn. So they pretend like they have to go to the bathroom. Hilarious. Um, the statement that Luann saying, I didn't come all this way to dress like that. It was giving like tuck everlasting. And I'm thinking maybe I'm going to come up with a new conspiracy theory because over the years, we've seen Luann look better and better. And I just, is there some sort of river on the Upper East Side? Is she drinking directly from the East River to maintain that glow? Because, bitch, I'll go there right now. I'll go there right now. Is Luann some sort of person who's just been living throughout the decades, you know, as, as Lou? She just dropped out of the sky. She's a talk show host in Milan. She is a, you know, a countess or count low level royalty bed hopper. Like I just have questions. She's looking a little too good. And I just think that maybe we should open, open up a discussion to see maybe where that camp comes from. Ebony says she's not going to put on a colonizer uniform because it rubs up against her spirit. And I feel that. So then the guides show them around. They're showing them a wigwam that has been there since like, you know, the 1600s. And Leah, who's the only person who even kind of dressed up aside from Sonia, they are the only ones who like put on those little prairie girl hats. Leah says, God, I'm so glad I was born in 1982 and not the 1600s. And Ebony and Bershawn are like, yeah, same girl. (laughs) Hard same. (laughs) In a confessional, Ebony says, listen, if I'm around, if I was around in America in the 1600s, the wigwam would have been the least of my worries. It appears as though Sony has realized that she has a new audience, a new listening ear, so we can hear the, you know, Sonia Morgan spiel, if you will. Uh, You know, Smokey Eye Updo Stad, I... 
my child's older and so she's got her own place and so now i feel like ramona's excuse me sonia's always saying like now i feel like is the moment where i can change now i feel like i can get back to myself my daughter's in college she's got her own place so now i feel like i'm a little bit more open and you know i people think that i drink all the time and i don't have to drink all the time and you know, I'm ready to let go. And Ebony and Leah can hear Sonia talking to Vershawn and they're like, oh, Lord, here she goes. Broken record again. Oh, OK. So and then they're like starting concerned to get in- concerned about how Sonia gets stuck in the hamster wheel. She's always talking about her past, her husband, the bank, the townhouse the drinking or the lack thereof, depending on who she's talking about. And she's telling Bershawn, Sonia and I really, Ramona and I realized that I was taking these water pills and they're making me get really drunk so fast. And so now I can't use those. And Leah and Ebony are like, Oh God, this is like really bad. We didn't realize how bad this was. And in this moment, Leah's like, I really think that I need to talk to Sonia about her drinking because Sonia has this habit of like trying to get ahead of the story and saying, oh, I don't drink this much or, you know, I have this reputation. It's really not true when really I just think she's in denial. I don't know if you guys picked up on that, but like the literal irony in Sonia Morgan wearing a mask, very 2020, while also wearing a pilgrim hat, she has one foot in the present and one foot in the past always wearing the mask and the pilgrim hat talking about her past talking about her marriage (laughs) like we're very 2020 but the pilgrim hat of all of the morgan uh drama is still there so then the ladies get ready for a night out on the town and you know ramona's looking pretty good pretty cute she's getting ready to go and you know sonia and ramona always get ready together so Sonia's like, oh, I'm going to go into the bathroom real quick. And then she makes a 180 just a couple seconds later. And Sonia says, um, Ramona, I think you lost something on the floor. And then, unfortunately, we were absolutely tormented to see um, what appeared to be two stool samples from one singer, comma, Ramona on the floor. I have just a flood of questions. Just so many images flashing before me. I'm getting heart palpitations. I'm having just like hot and cold, hot and cold alternating at the same time. I don't want to see anybody's poop. I don't want to see poop. I don't want to see... Because it's not just the poop in this situation. It is the knowledge that either Ramona shit her pants. Because I'm going to walk you guys through it. Because it's only fair. Because if I have to think about it like we, we're a family. You're here. This is Olive Garden. This is the Olive Gardener podcast where you hear your family. So as a family, we have to have these tough conversations. And so I just have to like talk to you guys. And work through all of my theories of what happened here. How how we landed with Mr. Hanky the Christmas Poo on this bathroom floor. So one of a few things, right? So either Ramona shit her pants 
and was like, oh no, it's a poo-poo party in my pants right now. Poop everywhere. There's so much poop. I don't really know what to do with it. She probably took her panties off and, you know, one, just freedom to freedom and, and let, let loose on the bathroom floor, right? That's theory one. Theory two is that, like, Ramona was just getting ready naked in the bathroom as she is perfectly wont to do and something just fell out and she just didn't notice what is happening what is happening with her gastrointestinal system i said this last season does she not have one of her 50 girlfriends or one of her 50 girlfriends husbands work in that area can we get a camera up there what's is there a tear does she need an ostomy bag? Like, what is happening? What is happening? Why? How do you go through life just not knowing? Because this isn't even the first time, you know? We saw it in Cartagena. Ramon, Sonia says, I know. I know my limits. I know my strengths. And I know my weaknesses. And I know that, you know... My rectum is a weakness of mine, but I come ready and I come prepared and I know to wear a diaper when the time comes and if I'm really in need. What is happening? What is happening? What is happening? (laughs) Like at some point, Andy Cohen is really going to, I don't know if we need like a one-on-one watch what happens live special so we can really dig deep if we could get, um, uh, who would be like uh, one of the doctors from Married to Medicine? If we could have some a summit, I know a lot of them are OBs. Um, I don't know if we could get like doctor. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, doctor Eugene, somebody, somebody in the Bravo universe can point Sonia Ramona in the right direction to fix her because something is wrong. We don't just walk about our daily. I don't. Hand to God, I don't walk around in my daily life leaving doo-doo bubbles on the ground. I just don't. And it happens so often that she doesn't notice. How is that possible? How is that possible? So Ramona, clearly embarrassed, she tries to like, oh, it's just my makeup. My makeup dropped on the floor. Ma'am. What makeup is that? Did you leave like a chunk of a highlighter? Because that was brown. That was my color brown. That was a Fenty 420 brown. Okay. Unless she's got the drag queen Trixie Mattel. I'm beat to the gods. Highlighter pack that is in a chocolate caraberry brown. I just have so many questions. How did it clump? How did it clump? How did it leave a a pile, two piles on the ground? How did that happen? If you got to lie, you got to lie. I mean, I realize you realize you're mic'd up, you're on national television. And so lie, 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 you know, I sure as hell wouldn't admit that I dropped off some kids at the pool, but then I accidentally really dropped them off in the parking lot and just left them there. You know, I wouldn't do that. I would have lied. There's a quick break of the fourth wall where Sonia is laughing so hard because Ramona has now gone into the bathroom. She's like, oh, you know, I think that was my makeup. Um, let me just go back there and look at it. Mm, click of the door. Um, Sonia's laughing so hard. She's standing in the doorway 
lifting up her legs to reveal that the shit has gotten on her shoes. Not just one, but both of them. She is cracking up so hard. Then she tells cameras, I just peed my pants. And then she's holding herself like a toddler. And I think she literally did pee her pants. This is why Sonia and Ramona are friends. is because they're sisters in arms. And by arms, I mean Lisa Rinna. Send Ramona some Depends. Send her some Depends. Okay, so the ladies go out to dinner at an Italian restaurant, and they sit down to order drinks, and Sonia tells her first lie, which is when Brashan orders some Pinot Noir, Sonia says that she likes to stick to clear spirits, and that she only has like one or two drinks before she's done. Girl. Okay. Um, then Ebony and Leah start talking about things that they can't drink anymore. Like, Leah says she used to drink uh, Bloody Marys, but she can't drink them since college. And, you know, just talking about the things that they can't do anymore. And Brashawn is like, I'm not going to lie, you guys are a bit boring. And everybody's like, excuse me? (laughs) And... Then Brashawn says, I feel like you guys are grandmas. And so Ramona's like, well, I told her that we were exciting. So I think she's just kind of waiting to see that happen. Now, Sonia says, we're just trying to get this night started off on a good foot. And you're calling us boring. We don't even know you. And Ebony says, actually, she called you guys grandmas. Not just boring, but grandmas. So Brashawn says again, I think you guys are just a little bit boring. And Luann's like, well, that's fine because you know where the fucking door is (laughs) and points to it. (laughs) And this is why Bershon does not have an apple because in that moment she called, she create, she did the cardinal sin of calling Luann and Ramona forever ageless, ageless, whatever the fuck singer old grandma's even. Luann tries to pop on a leather jacket and think that she's exactly the same age as her daughter and her niece and you thought that that was gonna go over well? That comment? Oh no ma'am. No ma'am. Luann made an enemy that day. (laughs) It's also worth noting that Luann um, is wearing those Chanel earrings, the one that have C-H-A on one ear and N-E-L on the other and She's got them on the wrong ears. Anyway, um, Prashan says, I don't need to leave. And Luann says, well, maybe you do. And Ebony says, you guys, we're going to have a good time. And Luann says, well, apparently not because I'm a fucking grandma. Boring. So Ramona, not so quietly whispers in Prashan's ears, like, you know, we had a lot more fun together. But everybody can hear her. Ramona has no loyalty to anybody and it's truly so funny like rather than say hey this is my guest I mean yes Bershawn is her guest so maybe she should be more on Bershawn's side but to say like openly like hey I was a lot more like we had a lot more fun together Bershawn I'm not the problem it's these other two old bitches that are the problem like it's not me I would very much like to be excluded from this narrative because you know my history girl and I can have fun to you I'm not sure about these other girls but I can um 
Ebony is like, listen, maybe we're not so fun right now, but my grandma just died 48 hours ago. Leah's grandma died two weeks ago. We're in a pandemic. Like, kind of cut us a little bit of slack here. Um, and Bershawn's like, I'm not trying to be insensitive. And Luann's like, but you are trying to be, ins- you are being insensitive. And Ebony says, I think Ramona just sold you like a false bill of goods as to who we are. And maybe you're a little bit disappointed by that. So in a confessional, Bershawn says, I'm just trying to change the mood. Is this a girl's trip or not? So then Bershawn tries to say that she herself is going through some stuff. And, uh, you know, she thought this trip was going to be a little bit more fun. And so Ebony and Sonia are like, okay, well, let's talk about what you're going through then. And... Brashawn starts talking about how she's in a bunch of lawsuits and she's suing people and there's some sort of like um, Sofia Vergara custody battle over eggs with her ex-husband and y'all remember that stuff where Sofia Vergara was like fighting with her ex for years over her eggs that they had frozen during their relationship and he was like claiming ownership over these eggs and saying like oh i have every right to have these babies if i want to because they were frozen during our marriage like ew ew david um where was i going with that oh that bershawn is also in some sort of lawsuit like yeah i want to hear more about that i want to hear more about your ex-husband thinking he's entitled to your eggs Uh, other than like anything else that you've been talking about like let's talk about that and again like i said ramona has no loyalty to anybody because when brashan starts talking about her her lawsuits ramona points to sonia and says oh yeah sonia sues people too and sonia's like excuse me i don't sue anybody i've been sued okay (laughs) which like you know i don't think it would really hit like she thought it was going to, but she's not wrong. She's not wrong. So it's also worth noting that Sonia, who just said that she only drinks white spirits and only keeps it to one or two glasses, has a full glass of Pinot Noir in her hand. Um, More on that later. More on that later. Um, Luann is still very pissed that she just basically got called old. And in a confessional, she says... I believe she's in a ton of lawsuits and she's fighting over her eggs, but that doesn't mean she has to come in here and scramble our eggs. <laughs> okay. Um, Sony starts getting riled up, basically tells Brashawn, one second you're saying we're boring, boring, and the next moment you're trying to have a heart to heart with us. We're sitting at this table. We're at mixed company. We're all like friends of varying lengths at this moment. So we're trying to keep it light. So then Brashawn turns to Ramona, like she's trying to get her attention um, on this conversation she's having with Sonia. And Sonia's like, no, 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 you don't need her right now. We can have this conversation one-on-one. You don't need to get Ramona. You don't need to have her tag in. You don't need to have her hearing what we're saying. Like, have this conversation with me, with me. Because I'm trying to, like, bond with you right now. And so Brashawn says... You don't have to get loud with me because I can get louder. And Sonia says, well, I have to get loud so that you'll listen. So Brashawn then tells Sonia, oh, all you want to do is twerk, twerk, twerk. And she's like, yeah, you know, giving like Africa, the Africa trip in uh, Real Houses of Atlanta where um, uh, Sheree and Marlo were going at each other by that uh, 
staircase and they're like (laughs) that's one of the greatest fights in all of housewives history them just just making noises at each other putting their hand to the side and just mocking each other oh god what a moment but Bershawn is like, oh, Sony, you never want to be normal. You're just, uh, you're all you want to do is be a clown. Woo! Shots fired. Leah's like, I don't know if you really know Sonia well enough to be saying that. And Luann's like, how dare you talk to her like that? How dare you call us boring? And I just love that, like, <laughs> Lou is still very pissed about being called old. And so even she is not really trying to defend Sonia. She's wrapping up her anger over being called old in a defense of Sonia, but she's really just mad still about being called old. She doesn't really get, give a fuck that Sonia just got called a clown, which is really fucking mean. <laughs> she's she's pissed about being called old. Um. So Luann is now totally on one. She's like, I don't know you, and you to come in here to think that you could talk to us like you're sadly mistaken, girlfriend. <laughs> The way Luann uses girlfriend like it's a four-letter word. Iconic. At this point, the waitress comes in and is like, um, we have some specials. Would now be a good time to tell you about them? Or, um, specials? (laughs) In a confessional, Ramona's like, I cannot believe this is happening right now. I am horrified at how Bershawn is behaving. Bershawn never acted like this when we were one-on-one. She was always very embracing and always very funny. This isn't funny. So, like I said, the great mystery of why Bershawn is not a full-time housewife has now been revealed. Because, like I said, she just made enemies out of Lou, Sonia, and Ramona. I have never seen Ramona. Ramona's more embarrassed about Bershawn's behavior <laughs> than the little sh- literal shit she left on the ground. Not not minutes ago. The ladies start ordering food and Sony tells the waitress, you know, I need food before I drink because we're in like a bit of a judgmental group tonight. Like, I just want to have fun with my friends and laugh. But if I don't eat, I'm going to act like a clown. Which may be entertaining and fun to some of you guys, but clearly it's not so much to Bershawn. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, we have not really seen... Like, Sonia is a perennially nice woman. We can say a lot of maybe not kind things about Sonia. Can we? I can't. Sonia is generally and genuinely one of the consistently nice housewives across all franchises so to see her be like oh well you know maybe i should put something to eat and like just be like that passive aggressive nice nasty oh i loved it and i felt like i deserved to see that me personally me personally so at this point ramona tries to get some levity and gain some control of the situation so she volunteers to dance on the table So she goes to the corner table that's behind them and does a dance that can only be described as like, y'all have ever been to a wedding where they have, you know, like the past apps and cocktail hour, um, you know, as the bride and groom are doing pictures and the family are doing pictures and whatnot. 
and maybe there's like a little band there maybe there's a little bit of music playing and you know it's like a couple hours maybe even have the cocktail before the ceremony but there's usually one lady who you're like oh i'm gonna keep my eye on her because i know that upon the dance floor at the reception she's really gonna be doing some things it's gonna you know, you know her shoes are gonna be off by sweet caroline you know there's gonna be a lot of jumping you know there's gonna be a lot of conversations if she doesn't know you god help you if you run into her in the bathroom that is the dance it's a warning the dance is a warning <laughs> to to all in our path that this is about to get buck wild and my god did it Ramona says that her attempt to dance is, you know, an attempt to, like, really free, free everybody. It, like, truly save the last dance kind of moment. She is Julia Stiles, and she's trying to, you know, create um, a, a sense of relationship and a bond between the two races right now. Because she's really embarrassed that the friend that she brought on the show is now acting a fucking fool. And she's like, I gotta get ahead of this story. So Ramona starts, rather, stops dancing, and she gets back to the table, and everybody kind of agrees to have a ceasefire, but that lasts about a second, maybe 1.5 seconds, because then they start talking about how they're going to have, like, drinks or, you know, some kind of kickback after dinner when they get back to the hotel, and Brashawn starts to say something to Leah about a smart thing that Leah had said earlier that day, and... Sonia gets upset and is like, Brashawn, you're always interrupting me. And Brashawn says, no, I'm just trying to say something nice to Leah right now because everybody always disses her. And Leah's like, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> so Brashawn basically says that everybody has been talking shit about Leah behind their back at the, um, during the trip. And so Leah's like, who has been dissing me? And Brashawn says, who do you think? Fuck off. This is one of my biggest pet peeves is what would be a good term for that? There's got to be an official term for this, but it's breadcrumbing. I'm, I'm going to call it breadcrumbing. That might actually be the official term, but I'm going to adopt it for this situation. Breadcrumbing is when you offer little bits of information, but then when pressed to expand on what exactly you know they're like oh it's like always teasing or vague answers it's like you just wanted attention and i'm not gonna give that to you i hate when people do that it truly is like the worst possible thing if you want to say something then fucking say it but don't be like say the most provocative thing and then play cheshire cat with me bitch like I was with Leah, like, say it or get off the playground. So then Bershawn is like, oh, well, you know, let me just say it like this, because, you know, I probably had too much to drink. And Sonia goes, oh, like a clown? <laughs> so Bershawn points back to Sonia and says, here's the clown show. And Leah says, Bershawn, you're starting trouble right now, so spit it out. And in a confessional, Leah says, Bershawn is a bullshit artist, and she's lighting a match to a straw building... Or like a, I don't know, like a wooden building. Something that's going to be set on fire. So then Bershawn says that she heard little jabs being made about Leah over the weekend. So again, Leah has to ask what was being said about her. And 
Rashawn is like, so, 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 and Leah's like, yeah, so, 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 spit it out. Spit, <laughs> spit it out, girl. And Leah says, there's too much bullshitting going on right now. I'm out. So she gets up, like, I'm not about to sit at this table with the girl who's about to start shit. And Rashawn put herself in a fucked up situation for coming at Leah, but not finishing it. So then Bershawn does this great reveal. Ooh. And is like, hey guys, let's um all go out to the sidewalk and there's going to be a Big Mac truck that passes by in just three minutes. Um, so if you guys could all gather your things, Ramona, if you could get ahead of the situation, I'm about to throw you right under this bus friend, friend who brought me on the show. Um, Leah, Ramona was actually the one who said that you guys don't really connect and you guys don't really have a relationship and she doesn't really like you that much. And we get a flashback, and I'll be damned if I have to, ref- to, to defend Ramona, but I have to do it. Because we get a flashback to Bershawn and Ramona going to lunch or whatever the week prior. And Bershawn is trying to get the tea on the situation between Ramona and Leah, which we know is hot and cold, you know, very tenuous relationship. But Ramona's response was very... A politician-like, fair, not something that you would repeat and say that somebody was talking shit about you. Basically, Bershawn says, or Ramona says that she and Leah butt heads. She's not sure where their friendship is right now, but they're continuing to work on the relationship. The most diplomatic possible thing that one could say. Nothing about that is to be like, I. this is a bone that I need to carry and reveal to people later. Like, no, that was about the lamest shit I've ever seen. And it was sad. And it was giving me a little bit of secondhand embarrassment to watch Bershawn. Like, what was she thinking? And this is where I, I'm like, I don't understand why people are more, are going up more for Bershawn doing this weird shit then Ebony, I, there's a disconnect for me. Like, I'm not understanding why we're vibing with Bershawn and not Ebony. Because this is weird. But Leah is just working with the information she's got, which is basically that Ramona, according to Bershawn, says she didn't know where her friendship was with Leah. And Leah's like, all right, well, I'm not sure about Ramona either. So she gets up and walks away. And then Sonia, Luann, and Ebony all start grabbing their things because they're like, this is getting weird. We don't want to be around this energy. Luann's still pissed about being called old. And they start getting their things and going as well. And Ramona turns to Rashawn and says, I didn't say that. (laughs) And in a confessional, Ramona says, I don't blame the girls for leaving. I would leave too, but I'm the one who invited here. So what am I supposed to do? So Luann... Ebony and Leah have all left at this point. Uh, Sonia is still gathering her things. And so Bershawn's like, no, I just sit down. And Sonia's like, I'm going to stay, but I'm staying for Ramona. And honestly, then at that point, they start getting back. Sonia and Bershawn start getting back into it so quickly. I don't even really know what triggered this situation, but this is now like fight or squabble number three between Bershawn and Sonia. And it's just chaos, just pure chaos. Pure chaos. So 
Sonia gets up and leaves again, and Ramona's like, okay, you're making my girl leave? Then I get to leave, too. So outside, Luann, Ebony, and uh, Leah are there, and they start talking about how desperate Bershawn is and how sad it is because she seems like an accomplished woman, and you would think that she would not act like this. So Ramona tells Rashawn, like, I don't know why you had to go for Leah. You ruined everything by making her and everybody upset. I brought you into this group and you just fucked it all up. So Sonia tries to tell Rashawn, you're being divisive. And Ramona says, Rashawn, tomorrow you need to tell Leah that I didn't say that. I didn't say what you said I did. And then Sonia, so they're outside, (laughs) right outside the restaurant, talking, wearing their masks, Sonia somehow gets the glass of Pinot Noir that Ramona had at the dinner at the table and says, hey, Ramona, this is your glass of wine. It's got the antibodies in it, which was a joke that I thought was quite funny. Um, So Sonia hands her the glass. Ramona's holding the glass. And then what happens is as Sonia, with her mask on, Leah, excuse me, Bershawn and Ramona are talking to the point where nobody's truly paying attention to what Sonia's doing. Sonia, who just handed the glass of Pinot Noir to Ramona, is now guiding Ramona's hand to her mouth so Sonia can chug Ramona's glass of Pinot Noir as though it is the last pregame drink before we're about to go out to the bars tonight. Like, Chug, chug, chug a lug through the mask. How the fuck? <laughs> How on earth? And then to see Ramona, like, come to focus as to where she is in that moment, look at her glass and be like, I swear she just handed me this full glass of Pinot. Why is it now empty? What the fuck? I. What? <laughs> That was a moment. That was a true moment. Bershawn starts calling Ramona and Sonia phony. Ramona tries to break free and is like, oh, I forgot my scarf inside. So they go back to go inside. Leah and Luann and Ebony are back at the hotel at this point. They're sitting down in the lobby. They're getting drinks. And um, Ramona and Sonia go back to the restaurant so Ramona can get her scarf. scarf. Sonia is wasted at this point. She is dancing around the dining room with another glass of red wine that she has managed to procure. Who knows where it's from, but it's in her hand now. And she's starts talking about how somebody needs to put Bershawn to bed because she's a wet blanket. And then Bershawn ends up walking to the hotel and she meets up with Lou and Ebony and Leah and says, she walks in and is like, hey guys, I'm sorry, I've had too much to drink. And Leah's like, no, no, no. You can't say that you're drunk right now because you're walking perfectly fine with six inch heels. Like, don't come in here with some bullshit saying that you're drunk and that's why you just acted weird as fuck like you were just a few minutes ago. So then Brashawn says some bullshit about how, about trying to, people trying to throw her under the bus and all the girls are saying, Ramona really gaslit you, but she didn't. That's the thing. Like, I hate to defend Ramona, but Ramona did not say the thing that Brashawn is alleging her to have said and now they're acting like Ramona is gaslighting her into believing these things and that's not the truth and I'm sure they know that now but I was screaming at the television like girl girl 
Sonia, three sheets to the wind, is just flying around, flitting around like a some sort of brand new baby giraffe in the elevator, legs akimbo, she can't get it together, she's on the ground, Ramona's trying to hold her up, and the only time she like pretends to be a little bit uh, sober is when one of the employees is like, hey, um, are you guys trying to get to the basement? And at that point, Sonia's like, oh, maybe I should stand up like a grown-ass woman that I am. Um, so then all the ladies get together, and Ebony tells Brashawn, now might be the good time for you to bury the hatchet. And Brashawn's like, listen, I'm a little bit of a blabbermouth, and, you know, I don't go by things like codes or boundaries or how things should be or polite society. And, like, I'm a rabble-rouser. She didn't say that, but she may as well have. To say that, like... You're some sort of, like, ingenue and that you don't play by the rules. It's like, well, you just went to a dinner, blew everything up, and now you want to act like this is just, it's just me, just Bershon, that's just how I am. People are just supposed to accept it? No. No. I don't fuck with her. And I feel very justified and validated (laughs) with the fact that I didn't fuck with her. And I think, like, again... The difference between Ebony and Brashan is that even though Ebony clearly states that she really does not align with how Brashan operates and the things that she says, what she did do to Brashan is was like, I'm not going to put her out there in front of these cameras. I'm going to take her aside quietly and say, hey, like, maybe you should do this. Something that Brashan would not have done to Ebony Brashan has let Ebony out there to dry and has, for lack of a better word, betrayed her by like saying, hey, I feel like, you know, your dinner was a little long winded and all lives matter and we should all love each other and there shouldn't be any difference. Ebony never did that to her and she had every right to. Ebony is a good woman and I see it. So after she's talking blah, 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 don't go by codes, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. In a confessional, Ebony says... An apology has to come with some level to regret to it. So I think that Brashawn is sorry about the fallout, but I don't think she's sorry about her actions that led to the fallout. And again, I don't know what happened because at some point Sonia sits down. Brashawn tries to say that she didn't call Sonia a clown. She actually called her a hoe. And Sonia says, well, I can take you calling me a hoe, but don't call me a clown. And then Ebony says, you know, at this point, Brashawn's on her own. So Brashawn was doing some, like, weird respectability, like, slut-shaming shit to Sonia about how all Sonia does is twerk and that's why I call you a hoe? Like, really? Really that's what we're doing? Because she twerks a lot? She's a slut? A hoe? Grow up. Leah and Ramona take a second to sit down with each other and Leah says... I'm upset because I thought we had made progress when we were in the Hamptons. You were super supportive and you said things to me that really like clarified things a lot. And we see a flashback where Ramona, who pretty insensitively in my opinion, but it seems like it got through to Leah in a profound way. So I'm not going to like, I'm just going to let you go. But where Ramona's saying right before um, Leah's grandmother passed, Hey, 
you love her so much because she is the one who's loved you unconditionally. You haven't gotten that unconditional love from your mom. You haven't gotten that unconditional love from Rob. And you're mourning losing that one person who's like in your corner, right? And so Leah's right, like, oh, I thought we had made progress with that. And we had had a moment. So like, I'm just disappointed with finding out that you feel otherwise. So they make up. Ramona explains things. She's like, I did. We did bond. We did have that moment. Like, it's not fake. So they hug. And she says, I'm grateful that we're at a place where we can have these open and honest discussions with one another. So then Sonia and Bershon are still getting into it about if Bershon called Sonia a clown. Check. She did. Uh Uh-oh. Check. Also did. Because... Like I said, Sonia twerks, I guess. And then Brashawn keeps trying to tell Sonia to calm down. And she keeps saying it so much. You know, Sonia, calm down. Calm down. Calm down. And Sonia's not calming down. And Brashawn says, okay, one more time. One more time. Like, I'm just going to say calm down one more time. I'm going to say it. And then Sonia loses it. She's like, gets up and says, don't give me one more time. You want one more time? I'll give you one more time. And then she does some sort of cabaresque move to show what one more time is going to be. At this point, um, Sonia and Brashawn are engaged in some sort of mutual interpretive dance um, with each other. And I think it's supposed to be Sonia saying, stop calling me a clown. And Brashawn saying, I'm not going to call, stop calling you that. And it's just a lot of animal style noises being made and gesticulating wildly. And again, I'm very confused. The episode ends with Brashan calling Sonia a clown again. They're both yelling at each other. Use your brain. You know, you use your brain. No, you use your brain. And then we end on a to be continued. I mean, I'm team Sonia all day long. So it's quiet for me and Brashan. If it wasn't quiet before, it definitely is now. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what happens next week because it seems like there may be some fisticuffs that are engaged. And I think I saw Sonia punching through a fire extinguisher glass. So I'm ready. I'm ready for that. And I hope you guys are too. Okay, moving on to Beverly Hills. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. (laughs) 
the people that stayed with him, the people that were loyal to him, he's brought it on them as well. Through whatever he's done, we don't even know what he's done, but he's made a mess for all of us. It's mile one of a marathon, and that's really the truth. It's unbelievable. You almost go like, is it the same person we know? Like, just knowing her like I do, I'm like, this just is not ringing. Yeah, you've really. known her a lot longer than, <clears throat> than yeah. me, obviously. Horrible. Nightmare. Yeah. One of the reasons I don't think this divorce is a sham is maybe Erica, once she found out these lawsuits were coming, decided, I'm not staying around for this, and decided, I'm going to get out of here. Maybe Tom did these things, but I don't think Erica knew about them. One thing that I do know is that husbands can have secrets that wives don't know about. All right, you guys, I am fresh off of my watch of the latest episodes of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And excuse me for laughing, but again, oh man, I don't know. Like, I've made a policy of not listening to recap podcasts of the shows that I'm recapping until I'm done recording. So that is a full disclaimer to let you guys know that if other podcast hosts are saying what I'm about to say, then like, okay, we're all on the same page and I'm happy about it. But the, y'all are killing me. <laughs> the juxtaposition of me seeing what people say about the episodes and seeing the actual episode and feeling like there is such a disconnect in opinions. I'm like... I don't know what's happening in the universe. I don't know. I know we're not in retrograde right now. Like, I just don't know what's happening. I'm often find myself on the popular side of history, the right side of history, some would say. And I'm just feeling very, um, it sounds like I'm about to cry. I'm not, I'm just feeling very, um, confused and this is just like a new space for me to be in where I feel like I am part of the minority of people not that I'm not used to being part of a minority but part of the minority of people who are um not really understand Eric this is bullshit this shit with Erica is bullshit I'm there's no way to talk around it like this is what was I watching what was I watching bullshit show a show fiction uh, emotional reenactment, if you will. Um, daytime Emmy, primetime Emmy, Oscar, Grammy, not at Grammy, um, you know, uh, MTV M movie award. That's what I was given. What all of y'all who said, oh my God, I really feel for Erica. Is this the moment where I turn and decide to side with her? Is she truly the victim here? No, you, no, no. No, let's, wow, this was a good episode, but wow, wow, you guys, wow. Um, the episode starts off with, of course, Sutton versus Crystal, round 17, here we go. So, again, feeling like I'm in the minority in the group of people who are uh, wrong, apparently, um... Crystal, excuse me, yeah, Sutton's basically hyperventilating. The entire cast is soothing her and woo, woo, woo. Shh, 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 shh. It's okay, it's okay, Sutton, don't cry. Don't cry out loud. You know, what are we doing here? Crystal is doing everything right. I just said it is a pleasure to watch her 
be so legendary. It's a pleasure to see her be an icon. It's just legendaric behavior. And I think we should all be grateful to live in a world in which we can see Crystal work her magic. Frankly, um, Crystal is doing exactly what she should be doing, which is sitting by herself in her ugly leather pants laughing because this shit is ridiculous, y'all. It is absolutely ridiculous. And there will never be, there just will not be a time, and I don't often deal in absolutes, but I just feel very strongly that there will not be a time in which I look back at this situation and agree with Sutton. I think, like I said last week, that a lot of us have to unpack our misogynist tendencies, ladies, gentlemen, ladies, everybody in the binary, we all need to unpack our internalize misogyny and realize that a woman who is not going to back down a woman who we have to divorce ourselves with the idea that like we have to bend ourselves and just be polite for the sake of moving on no we literally don't have to do that and crystal doesn't have to do that and it's okay and to act like she is the problem is laughable to me both literally but also from a moral standpoint and I hate to like sound like I feel like I'm sounding like such a I don't know like a a, I don't know but like a know-it-all or whatever and I don't ever want to sound like that but I just feel like Crystal is allowed to feel exactly how she's feeling. She's allowed to say what she has to say, what she's been saying consistently. I'm not seeing the problem, and I don't think I ever will. So, in a confessional, I was a little bit disappointed with Garcelle saying, I just wish Crystal would bend just a little bit. And I, you know, say like, hey, maybe I went in, you know, on the situation, but I felt like you did something, and... Crystal should at least acknowledge that. And it would mean that she wasn't right at the end of the day, but it's just something that she should acknowledge. And that's the problem. Garcelle's essentially saying Crystal should just apologize because Sutton's having a shit fit. And even though she is still in the right... I don't disagree with her. I just wish that she would bend just a little. Why? Why do we have to do that? Literally, why? 2021, you guys, we need to stop apologizing. We need to stop bending. We don't have to bend. It's okay. It's okay. Let it be what it is. So, Erica then comes down and Crystal's like, to Erica, what should I have done in this situation? And Erica says, Nothing, but then she says, but you can egg Sutton on. She literally, Crystal literally did not know she was in a fight until she got down there and saw uh, Sutton pouring herself half a handle of vodka and crying about how Jesus doesn't answer her prayers. How is this Crystal's fault? I I really don't get it. So finally, Crystal's like, I'm going to say this shit with my whole chest so all of you guys can hear this. Um... So first off, everybody, like, you know, gets Crystal to, you know, I don't know if they gave her, like, a handful of graham crackers or animal crackers and a little juice box so she could calm down a little bit. But she seems to settle down, and 
then she goes down to Crystal and says, you know, I apologize for saying that thing about your pants. Even though in a confessional, she's like, oh, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that because they were probably a pleather pants and not leather pants. And I'm just like, Ugh, okay, good, nice try. A swing and a miss. So Sutton fake apologizes for being rude about the outfit, right? And then I think Crystal went the extra mile by asking Sutton, is there something that I did to you to trigger this reaction? And Sutton's response is, well, it was just your presence. And even Erica has to be like, did you have to say that, Sutton? And she's like, no, really. Like, it's just hard for me to be here because Crystal's made judgments about me without knowing me. And Crystal says, do you know that thing about, like, when people show you who you are, you believe them the first time? You ever heard of that? So then Sutton says, why do you have to be so mean? And Crystal finally, finally puffs out her chest and says, let me be clear. You're upset because you want me to apologize for something that you did. And I will not. I will not apologize for your actions. You are an inappropriate, awkward person, period. And now you're here crying because you want empathy. And Sutton's like, I'm crying because I want to leave. And Crystal says, then leave. Period. Period, Pooh. So then Garcelle says to Sutton, like, maybe it would help, Sutton, if you were, like, very specific about what it is that you need so we can all move on, please. All of America and not just the lady sitting at this gorgeous outdoor, you know, Casa de Hamlin. And Sutton says, well, you know, you've hurt me in a lot of ways. And her first complaint was the only valid thing that I've heard her say this entire time was that she was hurt by Crystal when they were on the boat in Lake Tahoe calling her or referring to her as manic and that it touched her in a different way because um, uh, because Sutton's father completed suicide and he had a, I guess, manic depressive diagnosis. So once Erica... Like, Crystal starts to bristle at that, and she's like, I'm not going to take it back. But then once Erica and Dorit explain the history with her father, Crystal says, I'm sorry that I said that, and I won't say it again. And in a confessional, Lisa says, well, that Crystal's about to win the Olympics for a non-apology apology. But I think she's got it all wrong here. If Crystal was, if this was like a non-apology, Crystal would say, I'm sorry that you felt some type of way because of what I did. But she's saying, I'm sorry that I did that action and I will not repeat it in the future. And I think, is that not an apology? That's the apology that we strive for, right? Or unless I'm confused. But it seems like we may have come to a resolution. Sutton says that she's happy to move on and I hope and I pray on everything that has good faith that she means it when she says that I hope it is true I'm led to believe that in present time Sutton and Crystal are very friendly with one another on social media and say that they get along so hopefully the hatchet is buried so um then Lisa says some lame thing about, like, let's just be true to ourselves and live in the moment. And Sutton adds on and lock our doors. And Garcelle's like, girl, we just said that we were not going to talk about this. And here you go. Here go hell come. So, LOL, everybody. And 
we're all having fun, right? Nope, nope. Uh, a screen pops up and says, four days later, dot, dot, dot. Kathy, Kyle, and Dorit tested positive for COVID. I'm, it's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny. But it's what's interesting to me that we only saw Kyle and only Kyle um, actually actively filming while she had COVID. I wonder why, I guess, I have to keep asking, where's the Dorit? Can we release the hashtag release the Dorit edit? Um, wh why are we not getting her? I need answers. We have all these rumors flying from all these franchises all the time. Why are we not getting an answer as to why Dorit is not featured as much? this season. It just seems very weird to me. And like I said last week, I just felt like the what we did see of her talking about Beverly Beach and the bridal line was like so fucking boring, but I don't feel like it's her fault. I think Dorit, a lot of people ask, what is Dorit's purpose? Is she necessary? Absolutely. Because Dorit shines fashion, fashion, and it's not even that it's like particularly good because it's like very obvious label, label, label. It's very camp in that way. And I find it very fun. I find her fashion fun because it's just so new money on the nose. Gaudy. I, I think it's really delightful. Where I think that Dorit shines is like earlier this season when she was having that shit with Kyle. Is it Dorit's like a good person to go toe to toe with. She will read you down. She will not like raise her um, voice. And I think she's very level-headed and very good at an argument. And it always seems like, even though they don't give her the opportunity to talk about it much, that she usually tends to be on the right side of the history of history. And I feel like they could Dorit, they could utilize Dorit a lot more as a um, Greek chorus. I think people don't particularly do that because she's not exactly funny, but she's not wrong. And I, like I said, I think we could keep utilizing that. So like I said, Kathy, Kyle and Dorit have tested positive for COVID. And so the whole cast has to quarantine for a couple of weeks. And we see Kyle on a Zoom crying about how lonely she is because apparently we found out later that Mauricio was like, uh, see you later. Bye. Taking the girls to Palm Springs. Hope you're well. Um, you know, here's the Postmates account if you need any sort of juice. Bye, girl. Love you. XOXO. <laughs> Mauricio. Um, so then we see scenes of a very quiet LA. No music. Not, not even just like a little foreboding tinkling of a piano. Just dead silence. And... You see a woman jogging, a slope of, a, you know, just a slow pan in a park on a park bench, a bushel of flowers. And then the screen says December 2nd, 2020, week two of quarantine. Garcelle and Sutton are on a Zoom call and Garcelle says a lot of things have come up recently about Tom being sued and headline after headline pops up on the screen about Erica Jane and estranged husband, Tom Girardi sued for fraud and embezzlement. And Sutton looks down on her phone and she's like, wow, this is on Fox news. And Garcelle made a face like, is that where you go for your legitimate news source? But okay. It's everywhere. Sutton, not just Fox news. Um, so then the producers ask all the women about the allegations. And Lisa says it's shocking. Dorit says that the punch in the gut for her 
was that the whole situation is dealing with widows and orphans and not, you know, other wealthy people and some sort of, you know, rich Ponzi scheme in which you're constantly keeping up, not victims, but, you know, probably not poor, you know. I think there's something going on with Dorit financially in PK, and I just think that we're just, like, moments away from finding out what that is. And so I, I, I'm keeping my eye on Dorit talking about these situations and these lawsuits since she, since she is not um, a stranger to them herself. And again, I know I just, like, completely waxed romantic about how much I love Dorit, and I do. I do. But I also think, like, you know... We're only a few moments away from clankety-clank. Kyle says she's trying to keep an open mind and to be of the mindset of innocent until proven guilty because she's judging based off the person that she knows. Now, this has brought up a great, um, you know, a conversation that I'm having with myself about how do you handle being a friend in a situation like this? Do you jump ship? Do you support quietly, but not publicly? Do you support publicly? Because even now, um, you know, some of the girls, Kyle and Mauricio and Lisa and Harry Hamlin went to Teddy's 40th birthday party. And um, several of the women were, you know, talk. I think maybe Erica was there or there was a lot of like support happening of Erica because it's actually her birthday was a few days ago and a lot of people were lending her support, their support and saying happy birthday. And um, there have been just a lot of like Kyle saying, you know, I'm a ride or die and I'm with you until the wheels fall off, blah, blah, blah. But how would you guys handle it? Because I'm thinking, OK, if I'm any of the cast members of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills based on what I saw the reactions, I would probably be most aligned with how Garcelle acted, but you also have to factor in Garcelle is new to the group. She doesn't know Erica in the way that Kyle does or Lisa does. And they're not really close like that. How do you handle it? I, I don't know. I don't know. Mostly because I don't think my friends would ever do this, but I just like, I don't know how you handle this situation, but I'm deeply uncomfortable with Lisa and Kyle's unwavering support of Erica. I have to say, I just feel like it's going to bite them in the ass. So then we see a zoom call between Erica, Kyle and Rena, and they're asking Erica how she's doing. And she's like, um, you know, I don't think it would be, unfair to note the irony that she's in you know what could be described as a prison gray outfit just a simple sweater and sweatpant combination um but anyway uh erica says people are just believing things that are terrible and wrong and i'm here by myself and alone and then she says that people are saying my divorce is a sham so i can help hide the assets and the answer to that is no And so Lisa says, how would one go about hiding assets? (laughs) And I feel like this whole time, I'm just keeping, now that we know about the Jen Shaw of it all and somebody, um, you know, coming into the Shaw squad and infiltrating that whole situation, I'm just like really looking at these um, particular moments of being like, oh, who's asking 
real questions. Who's asking questions that I think are a little um, telling? And so to watch Lisa be like, how would one hide assets if you were going? It's just giving FBI informant, you know, it's giving, it's giving for me. Um, Erica's answer was like, I wouldn't fucking know. And then Erica says that one headline changed everybody's perspective on her situation because one second she's a gold digger for filing for divorce, but now this week she's a co-conspirator. And Kyle's like, okay, well, what do you know about the situation? Have you talked to Tom? She's like, I don't know anything. They're suing the law firm, Tom's law firm, Girardi and Keys. And she's being attached to that lawsuit. And as of now, that's all she knows. So then in a confessional, mm, I got chills. Erica's sitting there in her red, her red power suit with her little swoop down bang. And a producer says, how did you first find out about the Boeing lawsuit? So the Boeing lawsuit is a lion air situation where a lot of people there's a plane crash a lot of people lost their lives there was a huge um payout that tom had negotiated that never really came to fruition for all the victims and survivors of said crash so the producers are asking how she came to find out about that lawsuit and erica does not look she's not looking at the producer she's not looking at the camera she's looking down the entire time not making any eye contact with anybody unless the producer was literally laying on the floor and she says she can't i can't answer that i can't answer that and then the producer says you're not a lawyer so why are you being named in a lawsuit with that has to do with tom's legal career and erica shrugs and she says well that's the question it's like yeah it's because he literally just asked you so that is the question so anyway she goes um i don't know why i would be named in a lawsuit that i have nothing to do with erica then tells kyle and lisa in their zoom call that there are scary things that she thinks are going to happen in the future and that right now she has more lawyers that she can afford and kyle very innocently is like oh is tom paying for that um kyle no she told you that she dropped the old bitch off at work and then packed up a U-Haul and left never to speak to him again. Do you think that he's now paying her fees? They're not that stupid. <laughs> girl, come on. So Erica's like, no, girl, he's not paying for my lawyer's fees. I don't really even think he's thinking about me like that. Uh, he's got bigger fish to fry than worrying about my fees that are racking up. And... So then she also says that Tom has not given her one dime since she left the house. Why would he? (laughs) Most husbands would not (laughs) if you left without saying anything. (laughs) But um, back in a confessional, Erica says that basically she's looking at down the barrel of millions of dollars worth of lawsuits and it's heavy. And to know that the person who got her to that place has washed her hands of you. She's like, what the fuck am I going to do? And this is where I'm like a little bit confused. Like I just said, you left him. Like you left him. You didn't say anything good, bad, or otherwise. Did you, you can't really be shocked 
that this man who you said was emotionally unavailable that you left with no warning is not trying to help you out now that your ass is getting sued. Like what, this is where I'm like, well, sure. I mean, that makes sense to me, right? Like if he's cold, he's not going to warm up in some sort of time of need of yours. That's not, that's not going to happen. So anyway, um, Erica says she's basically in Gia Judice mode. She's waking up every morning thinking about so many things and just wishing things would get better. And Kyle asks Erica, how long could this all last? And Erica's like, well, I mean, it could be well over a year. And Kyle's like, well, I'm sure being locked down isn't helping with all of your anxiety, right? And so Kyle offers... Hey, I deal with anxiety all the time. If you ever need to talk to me, reach out, hit me up, let me know. And then Lisa's like, we know you're a good person. We know who you are. We're here for you. And we know that you wouldn't do this. And then Erica starts crying. And this is, mm, I just, mm, let me put a pin on that for later. Okay, so. Then the screen says five days later. The ladies are done with their quarantine. Lisa and Crystal go over to Erica's place and they start talking about times being tough. And Crystal says, yeah, the pandemic has been really rough. Sometimes I just burst into tears just in the middle of the day. And Erica's pouring a glass of champagne for everybody. A bottle of Vouv. I noticed that the they didn't put a price tag on that one. Maybe it was a gift. Maybe it was a technically a gift. But uh, Erica's pour- pouring a bottle of Vuv and she says, well, here, cheers to crying in the middle of the day, right? And Erica says that she called her psychiatrist recently because things have just gotten too much. It's been too much pressure to be reading these headlines about the lawsuit and her potentially lying and all this shit. And Lisa brings up the idea that it's easier for people to judge the ones that they put up on a pedestal and to celebrate their downfall. And Erica says, people want to believe this stuff, this bad stuff about me, because inherently everybody has a sadistic streak within them. Okay. (laughs) I think we're being a little dramatic about that. I don't think that people... Well, I mean, okay. This is a Bravo Housewives fandom. Of course. With every housewife, there are a certain contingency of people who are waiting for the downfall. I think there are a lot of people who had um, a side eye on the situation of how are these finances coming in? Tom's a lawyer. How is Erica affording a $40,000 a month for my glam team sort of lifestyle? Even if he's a very successful lawyer... The math just ain't mathing. A lot of people were suspicious. A lot of people are saying, hey, we're surprised. But I don't think, or hey, like, we're not surprised and look, we told you so. But I don't think there is an inherent sadistic streak within a lot of people that genuinely has her believing that, like, People were waiting and plotting and scheming and are now actively celebrating her downfall. I I don't believe that that is the general reaction. Now, to be clear, I think it's the general reaction now that the housewife and the hustler has come out. And now that, like, uh, all this shit has come out where it just seems very fishy that, 
you know, your husband funneling in $20 million into your own company just doesn't really add up. Um, Also, shout out to you, Maya, who mentioned that Tom testified in court in September. So this would be two months prior to Erica filing for divorce and about three months before all this other shit came about that prior to that in September, Tom had done like a a deposition or whatever in which he said that there was no money. So, you know, these are all things that we have to take into consideration. They're all in my file folder and I'm checking lists and everything and I'm doing all my research. And I'm just saying like, the timeline is shaky, murky, confusing, hard to keep up with. So then Erica really has her moment, right? And she says in a confessional, people think that Erica Jane brought down Tom Girardi, but Tom Girardi brought down Tom Girardi. Ooh, can't you just imagine Margot Robbie saying that in an opening line for this eventual biopic? I always get that wrong. (laughs) I think it's I think it's biopic for the eventual biopic. I, you can see a Margot Robbie saying something like that. Everybody thought that Erica Jane brought Tom Girardi down, but Tom Girardi brought Tom Girardi down. Anyway, then Erica goes on to say, "I don't want his actions to absolutely kill what I have created." Okay, okay, I have to start over, and the only thing. I have is my name and I hope that this is not where it ends for me. And I feel like this is a moment where people started sympathizing and empathizing with her. (sighs) Didn't work for me. Anyway, um, Erica starts talking about how Tom has taken a bunch of people like now with this lawsuit that Tom has taken a bunch of people or he is taking a bunch of people down with him and how he's created a mess for everybody, you know, other associates at the law firm what have you. So then she says, she turns to Crystal and this was a good moment. I'm going to give Erica, you can get about three points on the board for this one. Cause Erica turns to Crystal and says, I don't need to tell you what I've learned. I started my relationship with Tom when I was 28 and the power balance was like this, obviously with Tom on the top and Erica on the bottom. And then she tells Crystal, please, Look at your bank accounts. And the crystal's like, well, I do live, I I deal with all like the day-to-day stuff, but I don't really look at the accounts. It's kind of like freaks me out. And Erica's like, do not ignore it. Lisa says the same thing. I know what comes in and I know what goes out. I know that there are a lot of women in my circle that don't have to work and they don't have to bring in the money, but it's important that you know what's going on and it's important that uh you know she she said something i was a little bit confused about how she and harry have the joint account but they also have their own accounts i guess like if they have savings and fuck around money sure okay um but i loved that i loved her being like girl From a bitch who can understand where you're coming from more than anybody, I'm telling you, you don't want to be 22 years later um, fucked out of a whole situation that you thought was secure. Then Erica says, I think the more money your husband makes, the more they shut you out. And that has led me to where I am today. And in a confessional, 
Crystal says that she doesn't know the full details of her financial situation. She doesn't know what Rob's net worth is, where the money is, what have you. But she does say, I know that Rob would be completely happy and forthcoming and transparent. He would have no problem showing me this. He'd be happy to show me all the financial records. And if he didn't, I would find that to be a red flag. I just like, I didn't know in that moment. I was so conflicted of like, am I jealous of Crystal? Not jealous, but I'm like envious of her situation. Or do I find that terrifying? Because the child of a single mother within me finds the idea of you just living your life day to day without knowing what's going on in your finances terrifying to me. I don't know. And I know, like, she knows that he's got money, and I'm sure. I mean, Crystal's got it pretty fucking good. Like, the man is is Lion King, the creator of Lion King. He should have fuck you money for generations and generations to come. So, granted, Crystal is in a little bit of a, a more comfortable space. Like, I feel like Rob would really have to work hard to fuck up his situation to not be a millionaire, like even a low millionaire millionaire, like he'd really have to like actively do some damage or somebody would have really had to been a crook and a swindler to fuck him over. So maybe she's feeling a little bit more secure than you would if you were, you know, the wife of a guy who worked in finance or law or construction, Teresa, or something like that. But where am I going with this? (laughs) Maybe she feels a little bit more settled than the average person, but ooh, it would just kill me. It would just kill me to not have any idea of what's going in and out. No, I gotta know. So then Rinna asks Erica the tough question of now that you know what you know, in hindsight, like, would you have done something differently? And Lisa just lobbied that little softball towards her. And Erica, I got to say, knocked it right out of the park. She knocked it right out of the park. She says, um, you know, I wouldn't have done anything differently because I was always asking questions and I was continuously shut out. And then Erica tells a story in a confessional about how two years ago she had been named in a lawsuit with Tom and she was in Arizona at the time. And she's like, I came home And I asked him, and when I first asked Tom, like, why am I being named in this lawsuit with you? He's like, oh, don't worry about it. Kind of washed his hands, brushed it off. Was like, eh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But then she says, the more I asked him, the more cagey he would get. So it came from, it went from like, don't worry about it, to he just didn't want to talk about the situation at all. And then she says... I know how vindictive and mean and vicious Tom can be. Tom wins and you lose and that's it. And that's how it's always been. So counter that with the scene of Garcelle Garcelle going over to Kyle's house. They're having to play Rapunzel because even though Kyle has checked out and she seems to be testing negative for COVID, she still wanted to give it a few days. So she's standing out on her balcony while, while Garcelle's in the, in the backyard talking. So I don't know why this tickled me so much, but (laughs) Kyle comparing getting COVID in real life 
to her tenure on Little House on the Prairie and her character getting scarlet fever. (laughs) You're comparing fake scarlet fever to real COVID. (laughs) That's interesting. She's like, I didn't want life to imitate art in this way. And it's like, girl, what other way was it going to be? Are you going to churn butter? Girl, scarlet fever, fake scarlet fever, ma'am. So Kyle wants to, and sets up this plan for the girls to go to La Quinta, like the Palm Springs area of California, on a vacation. So then the conversation shifts to talking about Erica. And Garcelle's like, damn, like everything, every day it's something more. And Kyle's like, I've spoken to Erica a couple times since all the headlines have come out. And she keeps saying that she didn't do these things. And Garcelle says... I just feel like this whole thing has me questioning. Do I even know this person? Is this the same person that I thought that I knew? And Kyle's like, this just doesn't ring true for Erica. And it's like, okay, sure. I mean, if you thought somebody was like an active scam artist who would get you, who would end, land themselves in jail for financial crimes and embezzlement, you probably wouldn't be friends with them, even if they were like the most fun person, just because you didn't want to be around that. So I understand the surprise of a friend, somebody close to you doing something that you wouldn't expect them to do. But <laughs> the writing is a little bit on the wall. And I think we got to look at that, Kyle. I just think she's digging her hand in the sand. And I don't, I'm wondering if it's unfair. Like I've been hesitating to say, like to even bring this up, the conspiracy theories of possibly Erica having a conversation with Kyle and excuse me, guys, New York is happening outside. Okay. Um, Where is I going? Oh, I didn't want to really touch on the conspiracy theories that possibly Erica had some conversations off camera with Lisa, Dorit, Kyle, whoever, in order to like have this sort of uh, united front in front of the cameras. But it's something that I'm starting to open my mind about and I'm you know if you have any other fan theories I'm I'm willing to hear them that's what I'm saying um so in a confessional Kyle says one of the reasons and this is why I think like maybe she talked to Erica because this is weird she thinks that one of the reasons why she thinks that the divorce is real is because she's like well maybe Erica knew that these lawsuits were coming and she was trying to jump ship which is not something that you would say if you were also like I fully support and believe my girlfriend to also be like oh well maybe she did maybe she was privy to something and she left I don't know I I could see that I could see Erica being like hey guys like I'm gonna break up with you know cue ball over here and I think something bad's happening I'm getting word the girls are talking They've been talking, so it really wouldn't be that surprising because she's been wrapped up in lawsuits for the past few years, and there's no way that she's just been, like, dilly-dallying and patting her puss around Los Angeles without, like, trying to keep an eye on all of the reasons why Tom is getting sued. Um, I, you know, I think it's worth it's worth 
lending credence to the idea that maybe there were conversations that were had with certain women off camera. The Garcelle says, listen, maybe Tom did these things. I don't think Erica knew about this, but one thing I do know is that husbands can have secrets that wives don't know about. The next scene was, like, such a throwaway scene. Do I even want to talk about, like, Delilah dating this dude from Love Island? I don't watch Love Island, which I understand would probably be a very surprising thing to hear because I have a Love Island personality, and I know that, despite having not watched it. I just... It's one of those things that I keep, like, at arm's length because I just... I know how much I'm going to love it, and I just really can't take that on at this point in my life. Um, But yeah, Delilah's dating some guy from Love Island. Is he British? Is he Australian? Is this the US version? Anyway, she slid into his DMs. Um, Lisa is, like, going around on FaceTime showing Delilah all of these vintage high-end designer dresses that she has in the y'all about died i about died as somebody who is a lover of fashion to see lisa renna take out a vintage 1994 hervé leger dress can't even get these things anymore and put it in order to show delilah on the garage floor kill me kill her kill her Kill Bill. I, ooh, flames, flames on the side of my head. Okay. I could not believe it. She's pulling out, um, Gianni Versace, um, did this dress for me when I was pregnant with you, Delilah, you can have it. That was a weird thing where Delilah's like, oh, maybe I'll wear it when I'm pregnant. And Lisa says, oh, you'll probably just, you could probably just eat a burrito and it'll fit you just fine. Like, is that a fat shame? Is that a joke? Uh, we might want to workshop that one, Lisa. Um, I don't really know. Like I said, I don't know what this scene had to do with anything other than the fact that, like, Lisa, I don't know, like, call Chris now that you're part of the family. If you can have maybe Kylie open up one of the offices over at the Kylie Cosmetics compound and um, just open up some space for you to get another closet. Like, I don't understand why... You live in a mansion. Your daughters don't live with you. Just turn one of those rooms into a closet. Why why are the Hamlins so allergic to redesigning their home? That's what I want to know. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
The following scene was the best one of the episode, obviously, because it was Kathy heavy. Um, Kyle goes over to Kathy's house and Kathy's just outside in the backyard on the balcony howling at one of her random tiny teacup dogs and um, trying to get it to howl back at her. And then Kathy shows Kyle the table that's outside and her new collection of holiday themed wreaths, which and, and little tiny Christmas trees, which were terrifying you know terrifying um there were little uh creepy cursed dolls little baby dolls hot glued to these tiny little wreaths and kyle uh very accurately it was like kathy this looks a little bit like whatever happened to baby jane and kathy's like oh no those are my little vintage girls kyle those are my little vintage girls. Um, Kyle starts to get emotional because, I don't know, like if the wind blew and her nose started hurting again. But she says that that was mean. That was mean. Because now I'm looking at her notes about how depressed she is. I take it back. I take it back, Kyle. <laughs> I take back one nose job joke. Um, Kyle starts talking about basically how like powerless she feels and how she... Portia is she's worried about Portia and she's not worried about Portia not adjusting to being alone she's worrying about Portia adjusting too well to the lack of socialization so she said you know I just left the house Portia was asleep at 12 30 and I didn't even bother waking her up because I couldn't think of a reason like there's nothing for her to do and Portia's a little young and she's got these like Chloe Kardashian bad bitch nails, but I let her have them because it's something that gives her joy and nobody's going to see them anyway. And, you know, I'm just worried. I wish that I had gotten like, she just put a lot on herself and I did feel for her being like, Oh, I just wish that I had like kept up with Portia being on a dance, taking dance classes or whatever, because maybe she would have had opportunities there to be more social and do like outdoor classes or whatever. And, um, just like the guilt that she felt. And I did feel her when she said, I really am take mothering very seriously. And I know that that's the thing that I am best at in life. And I just never want to fail my girls. I feel for her. I really did feel for her. And then in a confessional, Kathy says that she's happy to be at a point where she and Kyle can have these conversations and she can give her advice because they had been on the outs for quite some time. And yeah, it's just nice to be able to talk to each other about things. So then Kyle changes the subject to Erica and how they had spoken and she's not doing well. And Kathy says, well, you know, at the end of the day, life is a poker game and everybody's got to show their cards. And then Kyle looks at her for about three seconds. She goes, Kathy, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then they just laugh at each other. That is true sister bonding. Then we see Lisa going over to Sutton's house. And listen, I have to admit, as a, a pet professional, the bitch almost got me with that uh, just gorgeous little... Lab, I think it was either a lab or a golden retriever. I'm pretty sure it was a lab, a little white lab named Waylon. Mm. 
what a little cutie. Really, really cute. Really almost made me forget about all the tears and the microaggressions, but not, not enough. I'm, I'm back. We finally meet one of Sutton's daughters, a daughter that I guess because it was said that Sutton was not given a diamond to last year because her husband was not signing off on the children being able to to uh, appear on the show. But we do see Porter, who is 18, you know, can sign her own contracts. And she's a high or college freshman. She is, she looks a lot like Sutton, but with dark hair. She seems very, like, pinned, um, like went to the girls' school in Gilmore Girls. Like, that kind of vibe she's giving. She seems very well put together. Blah, blah, blah. So, she seems like a lovely girl, but this is not her show. Lisa tries to connect to her by asking if, you know, how college is going. And Porter's like, oh, you know, it's been going good since I started, uh, since I joined my sorority. And come to find out that Lisa and Porter were both members of Kappa Kappa Gamma. Now, is it fair to say that Lisa was a member since she really was only in college for one semester? Probably not. But um, it did not stop Lisa from squealing and clapping and making Porter so uncomfortable that she just started clapping to get this crazy woman to stop screaming basically <laughs> um uh Sutton starts talking about how like she's not gonna let Porter have lip fillers which seemed like a direct dig at Delilah and Amelia don't think that Lisa caught on to that so if she didn't then I guess we'll just move on um they change the subject to Erica and Sutton says the divorce is really messy and it's like one of those milkshakes that have a lot of stuff in it. Like if you go to Cold Stone or, you know, it's just got a lot of stuff in it. Just very eloquent, Sutton. Thank you. Um, our final scene is with Kyle and Erica. So they're about to go. They're meeting outside. They're about to go on a walk. But before they can even do that, Erica starts getting emotional and says that things are just overwhelming right now. So they go to sit down and Erica puts her head in her hand head in her hands and she says you know I never could have predicted being in this position right now and right now my hands are tied and then Erica says there's nothing that she can do except for wait to tell her side of the story and just having to defend yourself it's so lonely and um, it's just a lonely place to be and she goes God Kyle my divorce is not fun it's just not at this point Erica Jane Girardi's mascara is running down her face and it's evoking an emotion that, you know, just like, oh, just that, that sweet spot of tragically wronged blonde woman, the likes of which we have not seen since Lauren Conrad had that conversation with a lot of people think that it was, uh, with, uh, I, uh, Heidi, but it was actually with Audrina. It was a fight that happened with Audrina over the fact that they were not getting along at the time. And um, that's where the mascara really went flying. And gosh, it's been over a decade since that happened and nobody's been able to top it until now, until now. I think it's worth mentioning that um, Camille um, 
hopped right on Twitter and is having herself a gay old time about how uh, dramatic last week's episode was. And, and she even offered her little pop-up video style bit of information behind the scenes at Real Housewives of Beverly Hills that in season nine, they went swimming and she noticed that there was no mascara running on Erica Jane's face. Isn't that interesting? Just a, a little... Thank you. Thank you, Camille, for popping in and, and sharing us that little nugget of information. I will keep that in my pocket for later. Um, I think a lot of people had an issue with this or questions about this. And, you know, Erica's certainly no stranger to makeup. She even told us herself that the reason why she can afford this uh, 10,000 square foot uh, dollhouse that she keeps calling it is because she among other things, has had a makeup collaboration with none other than the company Too Faced. So it's safe to say that Erica probably understands the concept of a waterproof mascara. And so, you know, we're forced to ask the question of, you know, how much of this is acting and drama for the sake of drama? So Erica says to be part of a federal investigation is, quote, not cool. Agreed. And to have everybody believe what's being said and then question her is lonely. And then she says, you would be shocked at how quickly people turn on you and distance themselves from you. And automatically they turn and they don't want to be involved. But they were there when it was good, though. Right? So in a confessional, Erica says, you want to know who your friends are? Go broke. You want to know who your friends are? Go to jail. And then Erica says, I hope somebody is checking up on Tom. Because he's not good. And so Kyle says, have you spoken to him at all? And she says, no, 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 no. Not since the day I left. Okay, so this is like an interesting display of empathy for Tom that we have not seen since she announced the divorce. She has been talking this whole time about how I had to make this cut. I just had to run. I couldn't say anything. He forced me into a corner. There was no love here. There was no partnership here. And I just did what I had to do. So for her to say, like, I hope somebody's checking in on Tom. That's interesting. That is a, a interesting, interesting. Then Erica says that Tom's a proud man. And the reason or one of the reasons why she filed for divorce is because Tom was so resistant to any time of conversation so she would say things like hey i noticed like maybe your vision is not like it seems like you can't see that well and that he would get defensive or that he would you know she would say like it seems like maybe you can't hear me and he would get defensive and it's just like i he just feels like he was dissipating and degrading in front of me And Tom was actively choosing to ignore it. So this is where my hackles, if that's the term, really went up of, okay, so now it seems to go from Tom was this calculating cold person who it just got to the point where things got to be too much to now Tom is actively ignoring his health. There's really something going on there, and he is actively ignoring the fact that he is breaking down, his body's breaking down, and it's not performing. Now, doesn't that sound to you 
like a setup for the conservatorship that Tom just got approved for with the brother. So Tom's brother had filed for a conservatorship um, because they're claiming that Tom is uh, suffering from dementia. A lot of people didn't believe that, but the conservatorship was actually just granted a couple days ago. So, if you felt like your partner was actively ignoring their health and their downfall, is that a reason to leave them? Or is that a reason to stay? I could see how it could get to a point where you would be like, enough, but I just don't know. All of a sudden, the sympathy towards Tom and the poor Tom, I hope somebody's checking in on him. There's something going on and he's actively ignoring it. It just seems like a very odd pivot from what we've seen and how we've seen Erica address it, the divorce, up until now. So Kyle again tells Erica, lean on me anytime you want, if you need anything. And Kyle says, I'm just going to ask you a question about a headline that's been public and it's been out there. So I saw that Tom is asking for you to pay lawyer's fees. So then a headline pops up of Tom saying, like, you got to pay your own lawyer's fees. And he wanted to cut off any... Um, potential spousal support that Erica could file for. Um, And Erica just kind of laughs and was like, oh yeah, like he's just being an asshole. So I just feel like it's a person who said like, I'm not going to help you financially even after 22 years of marriage and I want you to pay lawyer's fees. I just don't see three seconds prior to that having this conversation like, I hope he's okay and I hope somebody's checking in on him. I would just like never, never, that would never happen. I think just the math ain't mathin' for me, you guys. And you can DM me at everyone's business, but mine on Instagram. And and if you see something different, I am more than willing to hear it. You can also email me at everyone's business, but mine at gmail.com. But maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm missing something, but I have questions. So then in a confessional, Erica says, I can't even believe I'm about to fucking say this. And then she says, you know, as much as Tom encouraged me, I think he resented every step that I made forward. And this is a great, um, and it will, an interesting thing to bring up because I was listening to bitch sash and last week they mentioned that they have a hard time empathizing or believing Erica saying that he was so cold and whatever, because we saw him being so financially supportive of Erica's career and of the Erica Jane brand. So it's hard to reconcile him throwing so much money into a situation, but also being so cold and withholding. So then she says, Around the time she got to Chicago, or she got, she landed Chicago, Tom's view of her had changed. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? And Erica's, like, confused because she felt like 
you gave me the ball. You gave me the tools to excel. I'm take. I took it. I ran into the end zone with it. And now you're pissed that I scored a touchdown. And then she says, people don't know because they see this husband that's campaigning for a wife to succeed. But at home, it wasn't that great. And she didn't tell anybody because she didn't think that anybody would truly understand what she was going through because of how it looked from the outside. And then she says that there were times where she would go to hug Tom. He wouldn't hug her back. And there was just another life happening and the perception of the outside. So there was a lot of things happening really that was conflicting. (laughs) I know that sentence was really fucked up. I'm keeping it though. I'm keeping it. Basically she's saying things are not what they appeared. And she's also planting the seed that like she was willing to go along with that, which I understand but now it's like biting her on the ass. And it's just interesting that everything just happened so quickly. And maybe Erica, people are necess- They're having a hard time understanding things because you've given them no information. And now we're going from Tom's so great. We have such a great life together. I love him. And the reason why I love him is because he allows me to be who I am. But now you're saying literally the exact opposite. And he was resentful of how, who you are. And people don't believe me because from the outside, it looks one way, but you were the architect in many ways of that outside perception. So you have to be a little bit more understanding of, people feeling like the rug has been um, pulled out from under them. Uh, Kyle, you know, was like, you must be so scared for your future. And Erica's like, hell yeah. (laughs) It's hard for me to wake up and not wanting to go back to sleep because there's no, there's no other way to say it. It's a disaster. My life is a disaster. And then she says, Again, a lot of, displaying a lot of empathy towards Tom by saying he's in his own personal hell and she can't help him. And then she starts to cry. And that, again, was like another ding, ding, ding moment. Why do you want to help this man that you essentially said that you escaped from? Why are you crying about you're not being able to help him if he's so emotionally unavailable to you to the point where you could compartmentalize dropping him off at work, but then leaving your entire relationship and your marriage, your 22-year marriage, I there's just a lot of juxtaposition happening, and I don't get it. So I'm not understanding why she's crying about not being able to help Tom. I really don't get it. Kyle says, I remember you saying that you were going to be with him until the end. And Erica looks at her and says, this is the end. It's not the end that anybody wants. Because it's torture just to see somebody melt. And she's referring to Tom. So, I don't get it. You got, I, I don't believe it. I don't, I'm just going to say, it. I don't believe it. I, I, these pivots are weird to me and I don't understand. And I just feel like there is a rollout of information happening that is like, doesn't make sense with the initial rollout of information. And I just have so many questions, but... If y'all have answers for me, feel free to reach out. Until then, I will check in with you guys next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you could give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, 
your girl. I would so greatly appreciate it. Have a great weekend.